I'd like to speak tonight on our subject of God's essential goodness. This is a day of thanksgiving where we remember the harvest. We remember God's goodness over the last year. We choose to do this once a year. We thought this morning of God's faithfulness, something that we can only recognize when we look back over time. And to some extent it's true as well that God's goodness is best seen over numerous incidents in life as we record the goodness of our God. Well, what do I mean by God's essential goodness? That word might be unfamiliar to the children. The essence. If you go into the kitchen cupboard, you may find vanilla essence. Vanilla has been concentrated. The flavor has become intense. God's essential goodness. That's the use that I intend in that word. God's goodness concentrated. God has so many attributes, characteristics, features, if you will, and one of them, one of his many, is the very essence of God. When you concentrate it down, is that his essence is good. There is nothing within God that is anything other than good. We could say carefully, God cannot help but be good. His words are good. His deeds are good. Everything about God is good. I don't say this in some trite way. That word today is used in a very familiar way. The goodness of God. People use it in the form of blasphemy in a swear word. OMG. When we think of God, we think of his very essence, everything, without one blemish, without one shadow, not one word is not good that comes from God's word. When we think of that word, in our own use of it, We generally think of it in relative terms. We say, that was good. That was a good piece of work relative to what you've done before. But when we think of the goodness of God, it's incomparable. There is nothing to compare with God's goodness. We call it absolute. His goodness is incomparable. It doesn't measure on a scale. It's off the charts. It's incalculable, the goodness of God. It's without qualification, without compromise, the goodness of God. It's unique. There's no one, there's nothing like the goodness of God. Maybe you've not yet experienced it. Maybe it's just a theory to you something you read, it's out there, but you've not yet tasted of it. To you it's theoretical. Well, I want to try to show us tonight just how the goodness of God unfolds 
in his word. Of course, it's a contrast to what people say, one of those much trotted out phrases that often gets said, how can a good God allow war? How can a good God allow evil? Who causes war? We do. Who causes evil? We do. God is not involved. God's will is to suppress and hold down evil. Romans chapter 1. God allows government, rulers, kings, queens, parents, teachers to suppress evil. Evil and war comes from us. So we know that God is good in his very essence. Of course, people want to try to contrast God with their experience. They can only relate to God with what they felt, with what they've known, and so they have no comprehension of what God is really like because to them God is unknown. But I want to show you as well tonight that you can individually know, experience the goodness of God. We're going to look in a slightly different method tonight at seven different ways in which the goodness of God is unfolded and six of the seven are in the Psalms and we shall look at them in order. We will see a variety of different ways in which God shows his goodness. And I hope, I pray, that you might just know something of the goodness of God tonight. It's one of those attributes of God that can be communicated. There are attributes of God that we cannot understand. God's infinity. How can that be communicated? How can we get our minds around something so vast? And yet the goodness of God is one of those attributes that we can see, that we can understand, we can feel, and we can know. If you will turn with me to Psalm 25 and verse 8. I think a number of these verses are very familiar But I want to pick out mostly one or two features in each of these texts. Psalm 25 and verse 8. If you don't follow them, that's fine. Just listen and I'll read the verses. Psalm 25 and verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Unqualified. Good. That is his essence. That is who he is. Therefore, because of that, will he teach sinners in the way. You see, God's goodness doesn't just stay in the textbook. God's goodness is to teach sinners the way. God sees us. He knows the life that you live. He knows your problems tonight. He knows your cares. He knows the things that will keep you awake tonight. And he gives you this promise. Because he is altogether good. 
because he is upright, which means righteous, he will teach sinners. Who's that? That's all of us tonight. We're all sinners. We all need to be taught. Nobody is born a Christian. Nobody is born in such a way because they're in a family that they have a right to go to heaven. And so, he needs to teach us. And because God is good and because his goodness can be known, he promises to teach sinners. Will you be taught? Will you allow God to teach you the way? That's what it says. He will teach sinners in the way. There is a way. There is a way. That's the wrong way. It seems right unto man, unto woman, but the ends thereof is destruction. But there is the way. And the Lord, because he is full of goodness, will teach us that way, the way to life, the way of repentance, the way of salvation, the way to the cross. A famous preacher once said, when you're preaching, never go far from the cross. Make sure the path is a short one to the cross. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore, Will he teach sinners in the way? There's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. Do you know the Lord will teach you that way? If you found yourself caught up in something, if still you are in your sin and you've not been forgiven, then the Lord in his goodness will teach you that way. Notice it says teach. You don't go to school and one day you think you know everything. I've done school. And you know the way of salvation. It isn't just a flash in the pan. We're so stubborn, we're so hard, we're so resistant. We have things to give up. We have things to leave behind that some of us it's a process. We have to be taught, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, step by step, and he will teach us the way. Some people, they seem to be so near to the kingdom. They almost could reach out and put their hand on Christ by faith, and then they run away. They go back to their life. Something else is more important. Oh, that the Lord would teach sinners in the way that we would not just seek, but we would find, find salvation and know the Lord. Let's look at our second one. Turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and verse 8. A very well-known text. This all sounds very good. You've told me. The Lord will teach me. He will show me the way. But what happens if this is just theology? Theoretical? Is this something I can know? And feel? And experience? Well, look at this promise. 
Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know, I know there is such a thing as atomic physics. There are people that know far more than I do. I know it in theory. I know it's profound and wonderful and that long machine they built in Switzerland to split the atom and do all sorts of things and find out about the quarks and all those things. But you know, I can't feel it. It's just theory. What does it mean to me? What difference does it make to my life? The goodness of God. Oh, taste. Come and take God's word. Put it into your mouth. Believe it. Hear it. Trust it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Do you know? His goodness can be felt. It's almost as though you put it in the mouth and to the tongue it's sweet and it satisfies and it's what it says it is on the tin, so to speak. Taste and see the Lord is good God in his goodness. We can feel, not in some mystical way, but we can know his help, we can feel his help. We can experience the truth of his word. If any man needs and wants to believe in God, we must believe that he is and that he diligently, he rewards those that diligently seek him. That's what the psalmist says. Goodness that can be known as well as goodness which is taught. Goodness that's not just theory. Goodness that can be experienced and known. Oh, again, this all seems good. Turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, this short psalm that we sometimes sing in the morning to call people to worship. Psalm 100. What if this goodness, what if it's like a firework? A flash in the sky. What if it's like a sunset? Maybe it lasts for 20 minutes. It's wonderful. But then it's over. The darkness comes. The firework has blown its last spark. Goodness of God. What does it say here in verse for the Lord is good. says it again. Do you get the point? The Lord is unqualified, good. His mercy is everlasting. Oh, what would happen if there wasn't enough mercy for me? The JWs, they teach 144,000. And I think the last time I looked, they said the 144,000th person was gathered in in 1935. Oh, what a sad message. It's too late. There's not enough mercy. No, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. It's open. The doors are open. And his truth endureth to all 
generations. Oh, I'm so glad. As a preacher, I don't say, if you're over here, if you were born before such and such a date, there's hope for you, but not for you. No, God's mercy is everlasting. We can think of it in that way. We can think of it as well, that once you've known God's mercy, it is forever. And it lasts. It's not a sticking plaster that will fall off. It's not some ointment to put into a wound and then it will sting again. No, it's everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Do you know it's a blessing to be born with parents who love the Lord? Those of you who have godly mothers, fathers, grandparents, great-grandparents, you are blessed. A godly praying mother, what a privilege. I think that's what this psalm is partly saying. God's mercy does go on to some extent with praying mothers and fathers who set a godly example from one generation to the next. But it's not necessary. You don't need to be born into any particular family. You can be born anywhere to any parents and you can know this mercy and the goodness of God. Well, we've thought of the way the Lord shows his goodness to sinners, goodness that can be known, and goodness that lasts forever. Let's look at the fourth, Psalm 135 and verse 3. Psalm 135 and verse 3. These are simple texts, but so special to look at. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. This is goodness that when you've understood it, inspires and moves us to worship. If you're not a believer here tonight, you cannot worship God. You are a bystander to the worship. You've come to watch, to listen. Nobody worships God until they bow their knee, until they surrender, until they own him to be the God, their God, and Christ to be their Lord and their Savior. Because God will not accept worship from those that are idolatrous. And you know, until you've bowed the knee before Almighty God and have him as the one Lord and one Savior, you are an idolater because you have something else in your life other than God. And God won't have idolatrous worship. Well, what does this psalm say? Psalm 135, verse 3, Praise the Lord. For the Lord is good. You know, when you've understood the goodness of God, that he will teach sinners the way that it can be known and felt 
and this goodness is everlasting when you've yielded to him, bowed your knee, then you must worship him. It says here it's pleasant. Your desire, your inclination, your will will be to worship God and to praise him for his goodness. Do you do that? Do you pray to God and say, praise God from whom all blessings flow? That's what the psalmist is telling us. We must worship him. Let's look at another one. Please turn to the only one that's not in the Psalms, Nahum. The book of Nahum, if you struggle to find this, it's on page 937. 937 in our chapel Bibles. This is a verse that we put up during COVID when people were in great fear and doubt. Nahum chapter 1 and verse 7. Page 937. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Another unqualified statement about the goodness of God, because do you know life is full of difficulties. Sometimes we need a shelter. How am I going to cope? I can't live life this way. I want to live life another way. I don't want this family. I don't want this job. I don't want this. And so on. The Lord gives us this verse. The Lord is good. A stronghold. A safe, secure place. A pavilion. A tabernacle. A place that we can hide within and under. In the day of trouble, but not to everyone, only to those who trust in him. Do you know when you've seen the goodness of God, unqualified, unique, uncompromised, his very essence, why would you trust in anyone else? Why put your confidence in man and chariots and horses Men will let you down. Husbands, wives will disappoint. Some may even fall into grievous sin. But the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those that trust in him. The goodness of God is reliable. It's secure. It's safe. You can go again and again to God and his goodness will never fail. Never. Not once. Those of us who've been believers for many, many years and some here tonight for many decades, we can say the Lord is good. He is a stronghold. You flee to him. You trust in him. Come back to Psalm 145 that we read earlier. There's just two points I want to make. They might seem to contradict, but they don't. They're completely consistent. And the first of the two points 
is in verses 8, 9. We read it earlier. Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious, another unqualified statement, and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. Let's just pause. The goodness of God, in one sense, is universal. Everywhere, in all places, in all time, however young, old, black, white, you name it, there are no distinctions. The goodness of God is to all. Of course it is. You have life. God is the giver of life. You are sustained to this day. God is the sustainer. You know what's right deep down in your heart because God has written his laws upon your heart. God is good to all. Universal goodness. And his tender mercies are over all his works. Everything God has ever done is saturated with his goodness. We're going to see this in Christ most of all. Is there anything greater than that God should send his son to die on a cross, to bear the punishment of the sins of all his people, of all that would trust in him, saturated with goodness. The Lord is good to all. It's universal. But you know, there's another aspect of God's goodness. Look down in verse 18 and we close with this. There is a sense, it doesn't contradict, it's a subset of that universal goodness that to those that draw near to God, he is also good in a unique and special way. The Lord is near unto all them that call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. God is universally good. His goodness can be known. He teaches it. He shows it. It can be experienced, felt, known. It lasts. But you will only know God's goodness if you draw near to him. If you do, he will draw near to you. But this is for his people, as we call it, his sheep. Those that call upon his name. He never forces himself on anybody. He's near, but he's not on top of you. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him. He's so near. He's just a step of faith away. All you have to do is call upon him. But you have to do something else. It's the last two words in verse 18. In truth. That means sincerity, integrity. You've got to repent of your sin and mean it. Not carry on the way you've lived. You've got to turn. Turn your back on your old life. 
You've got to call out to him and say, Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't want to live the way I've lived anymore. And with your strength and with the faith that you will give me, I will call upon you and I will trust with all my heart. The Lord is near unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. God's goodness is taught to sinners. Goodness that can be known, not theoretical. Goodness that lasts forever. Goodness that inspires and gives us a desire for worship. Goodness that's reliable. Goodness that's for all. But also goodness that is only for those that call upon him. Have you done that? Have you ever called upon the name of the Lord? He is near. You need to call out in truth and trust in him. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, our loving Father, the goodness of God is overwhelming. It's impossible to fully understand and comprehend, but yet tonight we pray these aspects of the goodness of God would show us our need of the God who is good. O Lord, shine upon us tonight, and may we call upon God in faith, in repentance, and would he be our Lord and Saviour this very night. We pray in Jesus' name.